Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jessie Bug Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill. Guys, so many listeners have been hyped for this episode. I think some have been a bit scared as well. <laughs> yeah, a few of our American friends have been a little bit nervous. I don't have American friends, I only have enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting into the vibe immediately. <laughs> only my nemesis. But... It's going to be, I think, a good one, this one. Yeah, a lot of people were expecting some big, counterpressed, iconic moments with this episode. So hopefully we can deliver. We are, of course, today going to be talking about Under Pressure, the US Women's National Team documentary that is out on Netflix right now. It has been a hell of a year for sports documentaries and a hell of a year for counter-press discussions mm. about sports documentaries. Would we count Wagatha Christie as a sports documentary? A hundred percent. That's my... N- a hundred. <laughs> oh, that's been my favourite of the year. Have you, wa- have you watched the Ronnie O'Sullivan one yet? No, I need to watch May. that. I do need yes. to watch I've that. I've also fr- got heard the from other people it's that it's really good, the, apart from you. you it's the best documentary well. I've ever seen. Is it better wow. than The Last Dance? Yeah. Whoa. It's also different because it's not episodic. It's just like an hour and a half, which is slightly different. But because that, you also get a better sort of like cinematic feel. This is not a Edge of Everything podcast. I'm happy to to chat snooker. Guys, um, snooker shootout this weekend I was I couldn't, I couldn't look away oh I heard about that there was some Welsh young guy that did amazing yeah it's su- such a fun form of snooker I was switching between that and the Moscone Cup oh, oh my god big great. weekend for you is the Moscone that's like the Ryder Cup but in, but in pool. Yeah. Pool. Yeah. yeah and they're like they're like halfway but it, if you've got snooker and then darts like pool I feel like is sort of on the darts this end. is very yeah. soapy Sophie coded yes I think she went she was at the Moscone Cup yeah. Yeah. where was it Swansea. Wow. So and just it, no, sorry, it wasn't Swansea. The snooker shootout was the shootout Swansea. was in Wales. Yeah, it was at Ali Pali. Also, just for reference, that's an oomph, Sophie. Sophie is our oomph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because, like, you know, sometimes we get too deep into the group chat here, <laughs> and people will be like, "Who is this?" Sorry, if you don't know Sophie on Twitter, like, you're not in. You're not. In, you're not following the good Woso <laughs> people. Sorry, <laughs> only the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. So today could get a little bit spicy. We are lucky as well. We got. Uh, I got the chance to chat to Alyssa Thompson, obviously of Angel City, and the US team, and the director of this documentary, Rebecca Gitlitz, as part of uh, a bit of press around the release. So we're going to be dropping that in this episode but why don't we get started and talk about under pressure so whenever we talk about docs we always kind of start with the general vibe check did we enjoy it thumbs down thumbs up yeah. hated it sorry yeah I, I really hated it I and you know what I was looking forward to it so much famously I've been like trolling for like there was so much we could have enjoyed yes. yeah I think it's very clearly a documentary that they went into expecting to win a third World Cup in a row mm. and then when they didn't they didn't know what to do with it because if that's not produced at all related to the soccer the US Soccer Federation that's an amazing documentary. If you can take yourself out of like the biases and like the expectation that US will win, I think that could be great. But they obviously just didn't know what they were doing with it. I think I still did enjoy it, but I found I it- will always enjoy watching the US's downfall. 
I just found it very boring. And like you, Becky, I thought like the potential was huge. And we had been hyping this up yeah. so long. Our listeners had been, everyone knew it was going to be like a moment. And when we found out, what, just before the tournament that they were doing this, Doc, it was a bit like when Arsenal bombed when they had all or nothing following them. And every single time they lost, it was like, wow, can't wait to see what's in the change room. It was that kind of energy because the like US... Sunderland, Doc. Yes, that's exactly. amazing. The US weren't playing well in this World Cup. There was some already some sticky group stage stuff before the dramatic penalty shootout against Sweden so there was everything in this to make it a really classic documentary but I did feel really disappointed I still did enjoy it and I told the director that I said I enjoyed watching it because I didn't hate it but I was just a little bit bored and I think structurally and we spoke about this in the Beckham doc as well structurally it just felt a little bit all over the place with the narrative and we've got one and a half, nearly two entire episodes that just focus on the roster. Yeah. Keep it oh moving. It was like it was for someone who had never watched so I agree. football and didn't know anything that happened. Because I was like, why are they building up all this tension on whether Christy Mewis yes. and Lynn Williams go to the World Cup? I was like, I bloody know they go. I they know. explained... What a cap like, was. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. bubble, A bubble player. They yes, went deep they, on that. Abby Wambach explained to me how a knockout game works. And I was like, <laughs> you thank have you. To win. Doesn't she go like, you, you have, have to win. win. <laughs> but then, no shit, hun. sorry to like jump ahead right to the end, but then when they get to like them actually getting knocked out, they don't do any of the explaining there, which like I don't need. But like, if you're obviously aiming it towards people that like aren't big women's football fans, because you're explaining to me how a knockout game works, I'm assuming that you think your audience is people that don't know that, then you need to explain that there was no, like, it's being checked by VAR, the Lena Hurtig penalty. It was so weird. I, yeah, I could... Uh, you're so right. I didn't even think about that. It was like they wanted to provide some context but not everything. What I actually wanted more of was they gave, like, one flash moment on 99, but then I thought, oh, well, if we're going to give context on 99, let's go more into 99. Let's, like, yeah. create more of an energy around this whole culture. It was like... It was a bit too stop-start, a bit too here now contextualise about football which we had it in the Beckham doc too like a lot of like mansplaining and like not like a too much saying and not enough showing in there but then it was like oh but we're not going to show we're not going to talk about everything and give you enough that you need to know about these characters it was like yeah it just got lost about where we're setting this are we setting it in right now are we setting it in discussing what happened in the World Cup or it's almost like they were showing it in real time the 99ers thing made me think this is a production where they thought they were going to have much more material than they did yes mm, because yeah. I was like I agree it did, and I quite liked it because I'm like I find all that stuff really interesting I really liked the footage of the 99ers yeah. like, I was like I've never seen this before and this is really interesting I will say there is a really good documentary you can access oh, on no. YouTube <laughs> of the 99ers and it's got their home video cam footage wow. that they took I had watched it I think doing research for my book, but it's an ESPN doc, but someone's put it on YouTube. But that's really good because it's literally like Mia Hamm with a camcorder and Julie Fowdy and stuff. I was so like, give me more of that. Yeah, so that's what I think is like the thing that makes it like not very good mm. is it's so polished. I want to mm. see them like fighting each other. Like, I, you know, maybe they didn't fight each other, but there's obviously like things that and some of the best we haven't seen was like when Lynn Williams was like talking about the mal 
Swanson yeah. Yeah, injury yeah, yeah. and being like, this is it's horrible me. to say, yeah. but like, it's good for me. And I was like, that was what I wanted more of. I, I really thought Lynn Williams was the best character in it for me. Obviously, <laughs> apart from Christy Mewis. Obviously, obviously, when I saw, when I, when I realised that Christy Mewis and Sam Coe's relationship was going to be the majority of the documentary, I was on my feet clapping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was that is what a real wanted. relief. I would just watch a documentary about those two. I, yes. And then like, mm. they just show intermittently I think you say intimately. I was like, no, <laughs> intermittently footage of Lena Hurtig's penalty. Yeah, that's all I just want. Like, you, flashes yeah. you basically wanted a TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that did save it in a way for me because I think Christy came out of it really well, and I think you know oh, that penalty. Wow, I will not forget. Not forget that penalty. No, no hadn't even kicked the ball. Bam, blasted it in. Yeah. Iconic scenes. I think just to go back to why it's bad. <laughs> I think. If you lose, so obviously they started filming that thinking they were going to win and there was going to be this like incredible documentary about that journey. I think when it's a result so bad like that, you have to wait. And like, like The Last Dance, I think is like the most incredible sport documentary I've ever watched. There is so much time that has passed that they can be very honest about the, how they felt. They can be very honest about the complications in their relationships that were caused by all these things. And you see a lot of footage that I think at the time, while they were still playing they wouldn't have shown. And I just think, like, it's so polished. And, like, I don't care. Sorry, I don't care, Alex Morgan, that you're going to, like, open a, 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 sports, a sports shop, shop. in San yeah, Diego. that was boring. I want to see the arguments you had after the Portugal game, after you drew with Netherlands. Like, I want to see the stuff that I don't know. That's a perfect opportunity to hear from the director, Rebecca Gitlitz, who I spoke to. And she talked about how this project came about and also what made the final edit. The first thing I wanted to ask is how this project came about, really. Well, first of all, thank you for your interest. Um, I do think that this has been a golden year for sports documentaries. Um and if you notice something that's missing a lot of the time, it's women, right? And I I wanted to sort of my mission in life is, is to take the margins to the mainstream in terms of representation and storytelling. And um, I went to U.S. Soccer about a year ago and I begged them to, to let me make this documentary. And thankfully, they and the players said yes. And Netflix hopped on board really fast. So I think Netflix really has the the foresight to to see what is going to reach into people's sort of minds and souls. Um, and obviously, for us, it was sort of the promised land, right? Like you get to reach as many people as possible. So it was a perfect um, outcome for me. Yeah, that, that's quite a quick process as well, just about a year to then get going. So I think within sort of women's football media, I think we maybe only heard about it a, a couple of months or so before the World Cup started. So was it difficult persuading US soccer? And obviously I know the documentary mentioned sort of in association with FIFA in the cr opening credits because working in football, I know some of these federations, they get quite scared to do things and they don't like cameras being everywhere. So was it quite difficult to say, guys, this will actually be really interesting and be a positive thing for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that people are protective for good reason, right? There are certainly fears associated with putting yourself out there, which I deeply am empathetic for and understand. Um, but I, I do think that U.S. soccer understood this time around that that this team was 
trying to do something that was really special. And um, I was really thankful that that they um, shared that. And, and sure, there were sensitivities along the way. But, you know, as as we talked about the other night, um, you know, things that are hard are often worth doing. And so there was a lot of nerves from a lot of people, including myself, um, to be able to do this story justice. And and how much of editing was there? Like there's a really great clip in the changing room. I can't remember whether it's before the Netherlands, I think it's before the Netherlands game where it might be Kelly O'Hara or someone says like, let's level these bitches as soon as, as soon as we can. I think that's probably one of my favorite moments, but how much of an editing process was there with the content and how much did you kind of have to say, oh, maybe we got to leave that changing room moment out? I think people want to see inside locker rooms, right? Like, and, and, and so our goal for this was to get everything that you don't see on broadcast, right? This was this whole series was about getting inside players and inside the U.S. national team. So there wasn't a whole lot of locker room stuff that was left on the floor with the exception of things that, you know, were inappropriate because we we honored and respected players' wishes. And that was first and foremost in our mind. But I love that Kelly clip for so many reasons. And the reason that it's in the very beginning of the show is because that's who that team is. They are intense and they are powerhouses. And, you know, very early on, somebody said like, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have cursing in the, in the top of the show. And I was like, I think that that's very representative of this locker room. And I think that if we were talking about men's sports, nobody would ask us to take it out. So why don't we show these women for exactly who they are? And that is competitors and athletes. Yeah, definitely agree. And and how did you pick who would be sort of like the central protagonist, if you like? Obviously, Christy Muir's relationship with Sam Kerr is, is, is so big in women's football. So I imagine that was probably, you know, enticing. But like, how did you decide with Alyssa's story, Lynn's story, like who was going to maybe navigate us a little bit through through their journey? Yeah, we wanted to, you know, the the idea of pressure was obviously um, a, a f- at the forefront of, of this story. And so we wanted to represent the different lanes in which pressure exists in this team, right? You can't tell all 23 story, but we can tell the story of the veterans. We can tell the story of the freshman class. You know, we can tell the story of these players that have been fighting for so long to break through. And we had to respect, you know, people have different process. And this was very close to the World Cup as we started talking about in the beginning. And so, you know, this was about who was comfortable and and who wanted to. And and so we we picked our lanes and and then the rest sort of fell into place. And obviously it ultimately ends in the in the US getting knocked out of the World Cup. So was that a good thing or a bad thing? Because in a way, it's like, wow, shock. Like, that's their earliest exit. But obviously, the fairy tale for the documentary would have been like, oh, they win the whole thing. And so, like, how did that work out for you? I mean, I I really do. Obviously, it was very sad for the players, right? It was devastating. Sad is, is not an acceptable word. It was devastating for the players. And I think in our film, I think what was great about what happened at the World Cup is that we were able to tell this larger story then about this team and how this one win is not actually indicative of who they are and how they they've stood on the shoulders of giants and they will again. Right. And and, you know, for 16 years they didn't win, but nobody talks about that because we only talk about these last two. Right. 
I also thought that what we were able to do is tell a larger story of the influence that they've had internationally. And so while the soccer piece wasn't that successful, I think we were able to show the other sort of less talked about pieces that are so important about this team. And lastly, I wanted to ask, is there going to be another installment? Will we see the Emma Hayes era of the US WNT in a documentary? I hope so. <laughs> we'll we'll no, hold you I, to that. I hope so as well. Yeah, I think we'll see. It's it's a tricky time for for these players for this federation, but I think US soccer um has a really excellent plan and and I hope I'm a part of it. So I was a little bit frustrated I think because Rebecca said that like not a lot was left on the cutting room floor, but I certainly felt like this was quite curated. One of my favorite moments was Kelly O'Hara saying, let's level these bitches before the Netherlands. Yes, I wrote that down. I wrote, (laughs) (laughs) wait, let me find it. Get into these bitches in quotes, hot. (laughs) And I also enjoyed when Lindsay Horan said, I could have punched her in the face about DVD. Like you said about like, where was that real authentic change room moments? And you were saying, Jesse, about like the Lynn Williams letting her guard down and being honest about like that's an opportunity for me those were certainly the best moments and then the rest felt like you were watching a US soccer documentary not a Netflix one a propaganda propaganda. Mm. and Rebecca said like you know US soccer with a partner we approach Netflix and this is how it happened but you feel that and maybe it's up to the federation sometimes to let go and say they're never going to do that we've got to accept a little bit of what comes our way but Mm. this was way too curated and that's why I think you can't do it until years have passed no, and those I things agree. are they don't have to manage those PR fallout from it my big reaction yet was I was like this is so close they don't yeah. have any perspective yeah. on anything and even if stuff like with the selection stuff I think it would have been maybe more interesting if it was even like in two years time or something where you're like if they did it like just before the 2027 World Cup maybe you'd be a bit like I can't really remember like who was there and it's interesting to see how they feel but I was just like uh, I just don't care you know all the way through as well like that all the stuff they're talking about is just like not rubbish because that's how they felt in the moment but you know they lose yeah. <laughs> early yeah. so it's like you can't even really get excited with it I don't really feel um, no also no. Rebecca mentions like this theme that she wanted to go for which is almost how she pitched it, which was the the name under pressure and the pressure of striving for three in a row and everything. But I, for me, that got lost. Until she said it, I didn't really quite clock it because I thought, I'm not really getting actually a sense of tension and pressure of who they are. I'm getting a sense of like, this is a team kind of coming towards the end of a cycle and a manager who is, you know, showcasing the reality of why they didn't really maybe have a massive success under him. And it was almost like, you're giving me a window into their careers, but I'm not getting this kind of theme that you wanted to show, which is like, apart from the roster moment where it was like hyped up to like, you know, no end, there wasn't a ton that felt like under pressure, you know? I think that it was so like, we lost because Flacco didn't make substitutions and everyone else is now investing in women's football and they, they're better. Oh, that was one of there the was things such that a big really annoyed that. me about the 99ers thing because I think it was maybe Julie Faldi. Is it Faldi? I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it was Julie Faldi who said, you know, oh, we wanted to sort of, we were leading the way on this and then it, we thought everyone was going to cotton on and no one else did. But 
the reality is also in America, there was like a real drop in interest mm. afterwards too. And it just felt so like, oh my God, pat us on the back. Like yeah. we were amazing. We were out there. And like what that team did is obviously incredible. Like I, I don't want to downplay that, but I was just like, these dynamics are so much more complex than what felt like was able yes. to be explored. And you just sort of get these like throwaway lines that aren't really like interrogated. And I think this is generally like, we've obviously watched quite a few of these docs over the, the course of the year. And I think what struck me with this one, which I think even the Beckham one did well, but like if you've got these docs that are being made by uh, well, one obvious like team, whether it's like Beckham doing it, whether it's the US doing it, you need the opposite point of view. Yeah. I guess Righty being yeah, in it is say. the closest the you one, get yeah. to that like different voice. And even then, like he's like very underused in that sense as well. And I was just like, I wanted more. Like I wanted to see if they could go and sit down with Sweden or with the Netherlands yeah. and be like, how were you thinking about this? How are you approaching this to give that sort of like light and shade on the US perspective? Yeah, it was kind of strange to have that as like the only voice. And obviously they were showing like press conference footage, but there was no like, like they referenced what Jonkers said about athleticism and fitness, but we never got that differential to like provide more context. And, you know, Carly Lloyd was also like, they really went hard on that villain edit a little bit, which is actually kind of probably the most risque thing of the whole thing. I didn't even think that that was like... I think that's just because she is a villain. I don't think it was a villain edit. <laughs> <laughs> there was no editing. No, but I think it's funny with someone who's like so adored by, you know, US soccer in a way, like that they were sort of willing to say like, yeah, we know Carly like talks quite a lot of shit. <laughs> so we're going to leave that in. But there, there, yeah, there wasn't enough of that kind of complexity. Jesse, something that really came out of it for me, which is, I guess, funny in hindsight, is before the World Cup and during this World Cup campaign, the narrative was so strong on, like, you know, Vlatko doesn't have the tactical depth and because we got snippets of the, like, can the US still match it athletically anymore? I think I think it really sort of played into that narrative because we didn't really see any insight on tactics or game plan. And obviously, like, you're not necessarily always going to get that. But I think in the Chelsea DAZN doc, which I think is equally like quite boring and not the best, we still did get a more like that's be- worse. behind the scenes sort of white, that worse. But white, that's also white not whiteboard their fault. action. No. Well, I mean... No, I think COVID kind of ruined yeah. it. But um, we did get some behind the scenes whiteboard action. I felt, <laughs> I felt quite interesting that like we didn't get anything around that. It was so sort of like passion, energy, athleticism, pressure, delivery. It was like nothing really about the football or how the US play or like anything like that. It was just like the personalities and here's a guy who some of them kind of hinted at like, you know, it's been a rough ride. And it was funny watching that in hindsight, knowing he goes. Yeah, and I think obviously the difference with, say, the Chelsea one, which I do think just struggled from sort of the gap between it, is they had that like more fly on the wall element, whereas everything it felt like we got... The Chelsea documentary is not great, but I'm sorry. Emma Hay saying, so many of you are fucking shit. is like one of the most iconic things ever. That is so the thing we miss. Like... Like I said before, like you don't have those like peek behind the curtain. Yeah, but I, it's all so polished. I think Vlatko's too nice. I don't. I think that's less edit. But I think not, he's but not, not one not even, to do. Not that. even just like, but from anyone. anyone you don't get all, any of that yeah. from anyone. I think. I think certainly Kelly O'Hara was probably losing her quite a lot. We did, didn't make the edit. Yeah, the only, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just her. The only thing her saying is like, get into these bitches. Like that was iconic. That was my favorite part. More please. Yeah. 
that will be a good TikTok sound. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think also though, Flo, what you're talking about touches on the problem with these kind of docs, which I actually think maybe the Chelsea one was also a little bit better at doing. Is that when it's aimed for an audience of people who don't necessarily follow football or getting into football the first time, the stuff that we find interesting and we want to know about is something that like producers and directors I don't think are really thinking about because they're focusing on that more basic level of explanation because they're not going to want to talk about like I don't know like one of the really interesting things for me is like the fact that Julia Ertz played as centre-back like during that whole like and that decision like that would be like for me like if you could sort of have one question you could ask about it they mentioned it very it's very briefly, briefly mentioned think they li- go, Lindsay or someone says oh, oh she's not played there for a while yeah we go like oh we've got Julie playing as centre-back she's not played there for a while anyway moving on uh, but like I think unless you sort of explain why that's in, there's so much you have to go into to like like, whereas obviously because we follow football, that's a lot more natural for us. And I just think this that's the problem with... And that's why I also think it's really interesting to think about the sort of best documentaries around these kind of stuff. And I think actually it shows that you have to you can't do it all but I think sometimes and this was maybe a case of this if you've got a very confused version of doing that it becomes more frustrating like the reason the Sunderland one's so good is like that's all about actually the community around the club mm. less than it is sort of about the stuff on the pitch although obviously that plays into it but again I was just like I didn't even really get this sense of like community or like what it meant to be a US fan like I know they had like little shots of them like in the bar and like around games and stuff but like even that's like really interesting like US dominance in global women's football is a real thing and I think even that would have been a more interesting angle but it felt like they were just I don't know like they wanted to do everything they tried to do everything they end up doing nothing and it was just like so bitty out of all those different narratives and I was thinking uh, at the end oh maybe they should have done more episodes but I think going back to what you said Jesse it's like well I don't think they got enough (laughs) to make it anything it was like they the roster thing was so long and then I really wanted to hear from people that didn't make the cut like you know what you were saying about only having a certain narrative it's like I want to hear because I knew obviously going in all these people are going to make it I wanted to hear from the people that didn't make the cut let's talk to them about what it means to watch people go to a world cup can i say also how funny it was that obviously they had no idea about savannah de Mello and then suddenly they're like there while she's getting a manny pedi because they're like oh fuck we've got to talk about the actual interesting roster choice yeah i love that iconic hun moment where she was like yeah i the think i really need to yeah i acrylics for too long yeah, she's <laughs> like i need to get a break <laughs> that was so good i think what sums up that whole like they don't know what they're making this documentary about really like they don't know what they're doing the build-up is so slow and then them getting knocked out is like done within the first like 15 minutes of the last episode and then there's like half an hour afterwards where they just like randomly get into like the rubialis stuff but like really like top line this is what happened and they're like we're feminists so we hated that and it's like well one it has nothing to do with you so like why are we doing this and just like if you're going to talk about it you can't just do like top line like I just felt like I was watching the news. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it was like they had to reference him because it was such a big news story. So they thought, oh, we can't. But I not don't think they had to. It. I would ne- it would never have crossed my mind mm. if they hadn't have mentioned it. I know, it. but they probably thought, oh, we need to. And it's actually like, no, you don't. You'd really you could don't. have actually just moved on. I want to talk about the Hurtig penalty edit because I. Whole penalty shootout. I could just watch that again. And yeah, again. yeah, I will say. I, we just watched it before the episode, and I was grinning so much. I think that is probably the best bit of the whole doc. I think that montage edit with I think it's Josier emotional 
a song playing in the background in slow-mo the slow-mo it's like 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 a really sad thing and I'm like watching it like with this really sad edit like this was the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> I think that was that was probably the best bit of the whole thing and give that up after just that edit just Nothing that bit else, yeah. just that bit also I respect it for reminding us all how good Sachira Musovic was in that game yeah. because I was just saying before we started recording this that I love Felina Hurtig that she sort of became the poster girl but like oh my god Sachira what wow both so fit in such different ways wow yeah they're they're really like the two I am I am no better than men's football fans singing your shit but your birds are fit about Sweden (laughs) (laughs) wow okay but they're not actually shit so (laughs) debatable what I really like to be reminded is of Alyssa Neha like shaking her like wagging her finger at Stephanie Frappart like no 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 no, no. and I'm like babe there's goal line technology Steph's blown the whistle yeah it's done it's over oh I just oh my god that's the one thing I complain about the montage is that they didn't have the shot the handshake. of the handshake which is so my they do have a my... little bit in the background no 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 no. but like I would like want to I zoom need, yeah, in yeah. on I need like Sachira. several different angles and Alyssa Naya's just like limp sort of hand but Sachira's and like, like her face like to. like so shocked like she doesn't know what's just happened and Zachira's just like All right, Zachira's pal. face is like she's just signed a really important business deal <laughs> and now she's got she to go to shake drink. on it and she, yeah she's, so she's got really serious like shake and then yeah like oh, she's going to get one of those like big novelty checks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. I also feel like maybe I didn't get enough Megan Rapinoe. Like I, I liked the way that they showed her post-match interview where she was kind of laughing like, isn't it ironic that I'm the one that misses the penalty like after everything. And I, I found that quite uncomfortable to watch back because I'm really? just... Really? She's so aggy with the media, can I say all the way mm. through. Well, yes. she's, she's just narrated like, don't let them twist your words, guys. Yeah, don't trust yeah. them. Don't trust them. I think like they have two sides of this because I do feel sad for her that she like, especially now with the NWSL, like really didn't get a fairy tale ending to her like career. But also, I don't know. And like, obviously she's really upset in that moment and you like, you say things that are weird, but it just seems a bit like, I have been amazing my whole career. Isn't it crazy that I just did something bad right at the end? <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it because I, I agreed with her. I was like, damn football, like it giveth and it taketh away. I think, like, it's, I think it's funny because that is the one thing she's really yeah. known. Yeah, yeah, really, exactly. It's not just like a performance. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and penalties is such like a skill, you mm. know, like almost like, obviously it's mental as well but it's kind of like if you're really good at them you tend to be really God, really really good at them yeah. it's such a bad penalty what's funny watching it as well is it's not like one of those ones where sometimes you can tell in the run up yeah even watching it again I was like her body shape like yeah, it's not she is much. leaned back but not so like not enough wow. for it to go that far and up. then it went wow and, um, I, th- and I, I quite enjoyed it it's like almost like she knew it was so bad she was leaning into it being like oh the thing that made me laugh right? the thing that made me laugh is when she's like cheering about the Natalie Bjorn one which also went all the way over the bar <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like you don't know what's coming she doesn't know what's coming but I do <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of moments throughout the whole thing that you thought you guys don't know you what's coming but when I, I when I watched that last night I then went back and searched US Women's National Team on my own Twitter to just like relive the moment because I feel like I really rattled some Americans on the day that they lost and it was just so much fun if I could go back to one day in the World Cup it might be that one really yeah uh, over like the England semi-final it was just like so fun we went I was, I this went is to... how you know Becky's a hater <laughs> rather than <laughs> England hate. reaching the World Cup final 
viral for the first yeah. time ever beating Australia to do. But then she can't, you can't ever complain when US fans rattle you because it's just and they do like, rattle me as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But also some like some of them came back after the final and I I was just like do your worst. Like I deserve this. <laughs> Take like, me. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. Becky's um, just lying by the Sydney Opera House. Like do whatever you do. It's okay. No friendly fire. It's fine. Um. I really enjoyed that penalty shootout and what I really enjoyed most about it. And look, I booked my Australia trip banking that we would top the group, but we did. So it's really funny that they didn't. And I watched the, I went to the afternoon game in Sydney that would have been US if they'd won. It was Netherlands, South Africa in the end. And then we went to the Sydney, yeah. And then we went to the Sydney fan park and it was packed to so the many brim Americans. of Americans. And I literally took my shirt off when the penalty was... <laughs> <laughs> when the penalty was... I mean, I say this went in. This all makes sense to me because I was trying to remember why you weren't with me for the penalty shootout. I was streaking in the fan park. Yeah, in Sydney. Yeah. I was in Brisbane. Yeah. So. You were in the nice warm fan park. It was really cold when I took my top off. Right. To be fair, I was actually at a very, very nice bar but outside at the Lovely. bar but it was it was a great bar yeah felon trap where were you in i was uh in london still because oh. i didn't get out there until the quarterfinals oh, it, well. for yeah so i was what a way to, to start your day and then just go on like oh my gosh i wouldn't have been able to do it like no, i'd be on I a high to, like, go and do <laughs> i had to go and try and sleep and i'd only been in sydney for like two days if i hadn't had to do counterpressed i think i'd have like gone out yeah like <laughs> clubbing but i had to go to town Well, let's talk more about the future, about the next phase for the USWNT. One of the moments I thought which was um, really sad, actually, was after they'd lost and you got like a snippet of how you have no time for reflection. And it's something that uh, Alyssa Thompson talked about when I spoke to her. Let's hear what she had to say about life after the World Cup. What was it like in the moment for you during that tournament, sitting there thinking, when might I come on the pitch? Um, It was very nerve-wracking. I think during the tournament, I just like wanted to do whatever I could to help the team win. And I think that was everyone's role. And whatever my role would be, I was just... I was ready to go in. I was ready to cheer my teammates on. I was just ready to celebrate when we lost, ready to console when we needed that. And yeah, I mean, I was I was just ready to play the role that I needed to play and learn a lot from the veterans. And also at the end of the documentary, there's a bit of a moment in which everyone has to kind of move on from what happened so quickly. So Lynn Williams references how she got a message straight after the game saying, when do you want to fly out? and go home so what is it like as a player when you when you do lose a big game and it's kind of like right it's just done and your life just suddenly changes so quickly I think it was really hard to grapple with because we didn't really have time to talk about what just happened there and we had to go back to club environments where they expected us to be it was the end of season so we needed to get results and stuff like that so I I personally struggled coming back because it was just I didn't really have time to reflect and no one really understood besides the people that were at the World Cup. So coming back in the camp in September, end of September, we had like we debriefed that. And then I feel like that's when I really like let it go and um, was able to 
move on and be ready for the next chapter of what we want to do. And how are you feeling about that new era? Because you're so young, there's, there's so much football ahead, new coach on the horizon. So what's it feel like now compared to a few months ago after when the tournament ended? I feel like it's all very exciting and there's so much um, room for us to grow. And I think everyone on the team is ready to start the new chapter and put it in the past, not forget about it, but like use that experience to help us going into the Olympics and I know our mentality will never change. We always want to win. And um, that's what we're going to try to do every time we step foot on the field. And obviously in England, big story around Emma Hayes coming to coach the U.S. women's national team. So how are you feeling about her appointment? Um, I'm very excited. I mean, she talked to the team and we're all super excited for this new change. And um, yeah, we're very ready. And what kind of things did she discuss with you guys in that initial meeting? She kind of touched on what we wanted for ourselves. Like we want to win. We want to grow um, as players. And I think she has a lot of experience with that at Chelsea. Um, she's coached the highest um, level. Having that, like her experience will help us um, on the team. So yeah, Thompson talking there about how like you don't have time to process it. And it took till the September camp for the US mm. to like get together and talk about what happened. And I think we don't really, that was maybe the one bit of insight that I felt like we hadn't seen before, which is like you get an email straight after the worst ever result for US in a World Cup being like, so when do you want to fly Flight's home? Booked. <laughs> Flight's booked. When are you going? Like all this kind of stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. And again, I thought Lynn Williams was like one of the best characters in it. But I also loved the way Christy then stuck around to be sad. I wag. really love that. Like 10 minutes immediately after the shootout montage where it's just like, Christy being a wag. I was like, yeah, this is what I came for. This is the content I want to see. Uh, the Christy Sam content was generally all amazing. But my favourite bit, I do think, was when Christy obviously wakes Sam up to tell her she's been selected, yeah. then says, I wish I'd got some champagne in. Iconic and relatable. Yep. And then it like makes a joke to Sam about whether she's Sam's going to be selected. And Sam's like, oh, yeah, they already emailed me. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she doesn't even need to be worried because it's just obviously yeah, yeah, she's yeah. in. It's just such a given. And then and then Christy's like, why didn't you tell me? And she, you can tell she quickly thinks <laughs> she's something. lying. Yeah. yeah. She goes, yeah. oh, Oh, babe, I didn't want you to be nervous. I'm like, no, you didn't. It's like your Australian accent. Why is she a kangaroo? (laughs) Oh, mate, didn't want you to be nervous. (laughs) Crocodile Dundee. My, I have a few favourite Sam and Christy moments from actually episode one. They go quite like deep into that, and they're together, and it's really cute. And they ask Christy about Sam, and she's literally like twirling her hair, yeah, and like grinning. And I'm like, that is so cute. You are just so smitten. Also loved Sam bantering Christy yeah, yeah, yeah. about like the US being rough. Yeah, that was <laughs> all good. the goals you conceded were off corners. Yeah. That is terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like she's there. really been putting the analysis in. Also, I found it so funny when, and actually kind of sad. I felt like Christy was doing herself a disservice when she kept saying, "Sometimes I just think I'm so lucky to be with her. Yeah. Why is she with me?" And I was like, "No, Christy, you're yeah. a catch. Don't be like, come on. You're, Sam's lucky to be you're with a you. Wife queen. Yeah. yeah, I felt no, she was doing herself down there. I actually also really liked her talking about her sister I thought mm. that was I actually got a bit I actually got teary when she was like I would give it all up if she could 
Yeah, that was emotional. If she could also, I just missed Samia yeah. playing football. Yeah, so 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 mm. much. And also, she sat next to Sam Kerr, and she's like, "My sister's the best player I've ever seen." And Sam Kerr is like, hmm? <laughs> "It was also, you say that to me." It was also sad the way like they very quickly mentioned Samia's injury, but she was just like with that thing on her knee, being like, "Yeah, I've had this really long term knee injury, but it's about Christy now for the World Cup." And I was like, "It was interesting that Christy said like that lots of people think Sam will never," which I think is generally known that yeah. you know lots of people think Sam might never play again but I was I that was actually again one of the things that I was almost surprised that they included, included. but it felt like Christy was obviously like more than willing to be a lot more mm. open and it, get well, everyone yes, on board well, than other I wonder players. I wonder why I wonder if it's like because obviously she didn't play like a huge part in the World Cup. No, but as a result, like what we said earlier, I think she's the one, even on the pitch, she comes out with the most credit because yes, she literally, yeah, yeah. she has one touch in the yeah, entire yeah. World Cup. Oh, she kills it. Like, um, honestly, did she so not? Good. Did she not play a single minute before that? No, no. that was it. That's fucking mental. Yeah. And so Why good. would he do that to her? That's, Absolutely insane. I mean, love that for her. But yeah, it's crazy that she's such a big part of the dog. And I don't know whether that's because she is nice and open and like a good person to have or because of like Sam. Well, I feel like it's probably the combo because Both, yeah. presumably it was that Sam was so willing to also sort yes, of yeah, like yeah. talk and be in it. And then Sam Mewis was also willing yeah. to sort of Yeah, she brings two big names in with her. Yeah, what a gang. Her Sam's. Yeah. It would have been good to maybe have um, Lynn Williams's wag boyfriend, Aussie basketball player in there as well. Because I think we got some like references to him, but we never actually got to meet him or see him. And he's Australian. They be, they're engaged. He's, mm-hmm. well, he was at playing basketball at the same college and he plays basketball in Australia. So I kind of wanted a little bit more of that mm. um want to talk though about this next era because Alyssa Thompson talked about meeting Emma Hayes and that impact Rebecca Gitlitz has kind of hinted at you didn't do a trigger warning for Jesse there sorry trigger warning <laughs> um uh, there's been a hint that there might be a part two of this doc under Ugh. Emma Hayes era I don't need that so let's talk I about... will be there <laughs> yeah I mean look. when Emma Hayes goes so many of you are fucking shit for the Americas <laughs> so like I think it's interesting because I think there wasn't enough of a narrative about like how it is kind of the end of it era for so many of the players. Obviously, it was for Vlatko, but that was a strange time. But like so many of these players are moving on and with Emma Hayes, it is like a whole fresh start. And the world's kind of their oyster. But it brought up these questions, I think, when you saw it with Vlatko and they talked about like Jill Ellis and they talked about Yonkers' comments and everything, Jesse, because... When Alex Ferguson left Manchester United or when even Abramovich left Chelsea and maybe when Emma Hayes leaves Chelsea, it's like you start to dig a little bit deeper and you realise, oh, like a lot of people haven't been preparing for the next era. They haven't been doing their due diligence while everyone else has been upping their game, getting more technical, getting more physical, becoming better at women's football. Like there wasn't enough questions, I don't think, put to the US setup as to why they'd fallen behind. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's all well and good saying how women's football has grown, but why haven't you kept up the pace with it? Because you had everything at disposal to do that. And I feel like we saw that, but no one questioned question that in this and I think it was kind of a meeting of all of that in what we saw yeah I mean I think it's harsh to say that the US haven't like kept up so much as I do think other people have like it was always going to be impossible for the US to hold the gap that it had created in my opinion more what happened is they fucked up this cycle like I think the players that Vlatko took to the Olympics like needed to be moved through quicker than they were they weren't very good at the Olympics and then suddenly you've got the World Cup around the corner and 
you've not got like the players ready to come in and really make an impact when you need sort of that younger generation coming through. It's going to be obviously really interesting to see what Hayes makes of it. I think also a benefit she sort of has is that by not coming from the NWSL, it feels like she's a bit of a sort of fresh pair of eyes within the whole US uh, Soccer Federation, not to mention the fact that clearly at Chelsea, she sort of works as this quasi-general manager as well in association with Paul Green. I think, again, the impression you sort of get of Latko is someone who like just wants to go and do like the footballing stuff. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like backing club football because... I just think people don't think enough about the distinction between club football management and international football management, which is also why I think what Emma Hayes is doing is a risk. Um, yeah, I you know, and we're ever... obviously talking about this in a week where her team got absolutely battered in a one-off game. If that's like a tournament, you're fucked. It's over. So like, it's going to be really interesting to see how she deals with that, even though she obviously has done very well in terms of domestic trophies. But I think you can really see watching Blackco in this how different a personality Hayes is going a bit. Yeah, and I certainly like ever since the Hayes appointment was an- announced, and that's why I was like surprised when the news first broke. Is that I still think you know it's going to take a lot to adapt. It's a very different game, and just because you succeed in club does not mean you're going to be successful international level. It's difficult because I quite I, I like Emma Hayes. I want her to do well, but obviously I want the US to crash and burn for the rest of eternity. So yeah, but we like need I'm in a difficult. Place. Yeah, but Becky, we need villains, and it's, it's I don't boring. want her to do well. Okay. It's boring yeah. if like they're really bad. I don't think it is. I like I, having I d- a bit of a rivalry. I literally don't think that I would ever get bored oh, well, this of them being also, bad. This relates to my favourite bit from the entire doc, which is in the opening things. Someone says, I can't remember who it is. The big risk is that they become irrelevant. And I texted oh, to you guys like, don't threaten me with a good time. me. <laughs> like, I would love that. I don't think, I don't think that ever be they'll irrelevant. Be, they'll be different because, villains. They'll be yeah. different villains. You mean individual villains? I mean like different teams, countries. Different, different people. My wish is that they just fade into obscurity forever. I just don't think it will ever happen. I don't know if it will either, but that's what I would like. <laughs> and also, I feel like though, there's still an element of like love to hate. I love to hate them, yeah. yeah. So in a way, it's like it's easier to love to hate. But like, no. There's a little bit of success. No, no. Because they will forever be clinging onto that glory and they will just, and it will just get so much easier to rattle them. And that will just be so fun. <laughs> My Twitter engagement will be off the charts. Yeah, but we don't want them to like become sort of like chip on their shouldery, like um, pretend that they're not good. I will give them one more thing. I will give them an Olympic gold, but only so I can say it's not a real tournament anyway. (laughs) Oh my God, perfect. (laughs) Start the discourse all over again. No, I don't want them to get an Olympic gold. Come on, no way. Doesn't matter, Flo. (laughs) Whatever. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. It's on o'clock champions. It's a chocolate coin with a bit of ribbon on it. That's what it (laughs) is. Exactly. (laughs) But you don't even get to eat the chocolate. (laughs) It's worse than both worlds. Would we be watching any of this again? Would we watch a season two? I'd watch an Emma Hayes season. I mean, look... Of course I would. That, that <laughs> you love to is. hate, you're going to be exactly. watching. I was just bored. Like we, By the end, we were like, fucking hell. Yeah, Guys, I like watched it on one and a half speed. That's how boring <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that on Netflix. Wow. Yeah. I, wish I, I wish I had known to do that. Only on your phone, not on okay. laptop. What about TV? Don't know, didn't try. Only watched on laptop. Interesting. Interesting. Report back. I bet you can't do it on TV. It's one of those annoying app things probably. It was, when it ended, I was like, thank God. You were relieved. Yeah. <laughs> I kept like pressing the remote to be like, how long's left? 
And it's just like, it could have been so good. I genuinely That's think if we had made it, oh. it would have been so much better. They, they need a hater, they need a hater to make angry it. people would have been if we'd made it. <laughs> but it was the, ti- the timeline, everything. Like, it could have been so much better. Don't need two episodes just about rosters. You Like, if the, yeah. if you'd come straight in with... Just do, like the Ronnie O'Sullivan, just do one long one. Yeah. It doesn't mm. need four episodes. Totally. I, I, yeah, I think if it had been like an hour and a half. When they left, the at, at the end of the three first Three hours is basically like half the amount of time that the US were actually playing football at the World Cup. <laughs> so true. Stats don't lie. <laughs> well, uh, let us know what you thought about the documentary. I have one more thing to say. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. What I loved was Alexi Lalas's... Lalas? Lalas. Alexi Lalas's big hat because it was ridiculous and I wish that they'd been forced to keep them on for the post-match analysis. Mm. That is what I want. I want to see them in the ridiculous outfits, but having to be like, well, we're knocked out. There we I go. agree. Take that forward. Uh, let us know what you thought about the documentary because we know some of you were very hyped. So tell us on social media what you thought. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you've enjoyed this massive week. We've got a few more little specials lined up before slash after the Christmas break. We're going to have our Christmas quiz it returns. It's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. And then we're going to have a little WSL mid-season awards, giving out a few special mentions, a few shout-outs. Have a little bit of a Christmas break over that very long WSL break. And then we'll be back in the new year. So I'll see you all then. <laughs> <laughs>